Welcome back, everybody, to the Three Point Threat, a Utah Jazz show. I am your host, Jared Woodcox, and excited to be doing my second episode on Dash Radio and my 18th episode overall of the Three Point Threat. Uh, third week of Jazz action. Uh, last week didn't go quite as we had hoped or planned. Um, obviously, the Jazz went one and two with the especially disappointing loss in Phoenix. Uh, but hoping they can bounce back this week. Have a lot to talk about regarding the Jazz. I'll also be welcoming uh, Christian Dudley to the show. Um, this will be his second time on the three-point threat. I will introduce him shortly. Uh, Christian and I, first and foremost, will be talking about, uh, for point number one, about Donovan Mitchell, um, who Christian is quite the expert about as he covers um, NBA, NBA players who formerly played at Louisville. Uh, so he has some great insight on Donovan Mitchell for us. For point number two, we're just going to take a look at the crazy Western Conference that we all knew it was going to be deep coming in. Um, so far, it looks like a bloodbath, a lot of evenly matched teams. We're going to give our thoughts on how the Western Conference is going to shake out. Then for point number three, just as we've done the last two weeks, we'll take a look at the Jazz's upcoming schedule in the week ahead and give our thoughts and predictions. You know, I was feeling optimistic last week. I pinned the Jazz at 3-0. They ended up going uh, a 1-2. So, you know, I, I might tone my optimism down a little bit this week. But I'll save that for point number three so you can get my thoughts and impressions on what's ahead for the Jazz. So with that being said, let's dive in now to point number one. I'll introduce Christian Dudley to the show and we'll get going. Point one. All right. Well, as I mentioned in the intro, I'm joined over the phone today by Christian Dudley. Um, this is the second time on the three-point threat. Uh, Christian covers the former uh, Louisville Cardinals turned professionals for ESPN Louisville's uh, Louisville Sports Live. He also covers the Memphis Grizzlies for Blue World Order. Uh, Christian, how are you doing today? Pretty good. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm, I'm uh, glad to have you back on the show again. It seems like a while since we've had you. Right. <laughs> been a long off-season. Yeah. Back. Now we're back in the swing of things. And you know what, Christian? I know you know this is a, uh, a Utah Jazz show, but I just got to say, how about your Memphis Grizzlies so far? Oh, I know. They're uh, making all these ESPN analysts uh, look kind of dumb right now. There's huh. a lot of them. Uh, in the offseason, they didn't think they'd have a chance at the playoffs. Of course, the West is tough anyway. Yeah. Uh, but right now, you know, it's a change of culture for the Grizzlies, but uh, Gasol and Conley still leading the way, and right now they're sitting five and one. Yeah. So I'm pretty happy. <laughs> yeah. They've just looked absolutely impressive. And I mean, when I, I, I think you remember when you were on the show last time we went through and we made our picks for the playoffs for both conferences. And I, I told you that, you know, I had the Grizzlies at ninth, but I was probably going to eat my words because they always find a way. <laughs> And it's very early still, but so far it's looking like they're going to find that way. They look phenomenal. Right. They're uh, still a little bit about grit and grind. We don't have Tony Allen or Zach Randolph anymore, but mm-hmm. uh, it still runs deep in Memphis, that grit and grind slogan. So yeah. uh, it's still part of the culture, even though they are picking up the pace this season. Yep, I agree. I just think they're, you know, Conley and Gasol have always been very, very underrated. Those two guys are great leaders. And, and I think that uh, Fisdale's a heck of a coach. Um, I'm not. I'm not sleeping on the Grizzlies anymore. I have. I have very high hopes for them now. They look great, especially with the emergence of Chandler Parsons too. I'm not sure if you caught it last night, but he did have his kind of uh, like a breakout game in a Grizzlies uniform. He had 24 points. Uh, he actually hasn't scored uh, any more than half that <laughs> in the past year. So yeah, uh, all the Grizzlies fans were kind of you know rejoicing after last night. He's been taking the heat pretty hard from the fan base. Um, previously yeah I mean I, I saw the things about him kind of getting getting hassled or getting harassed or whatever and to see him break out like that it'd just be good it'd be a good story to have him get, get kind of land back on his feet you know and get back to what he was doing before so wishing the best for Chandler Parsons for sure 
Yeah, it's nice to see him get some good health now. Yeah. So for point number one, I wanted to chat with you a little bit about a guy that I know you're an expert on, and that's Donovan Mitchell, uh, who played his college ball at Louisville, but now is with the Utah Jazz. And, you know, there was a lot of hype for Donovan Mitchell among Jazz fans all summer long, you know, from the moment he was drafted um, in summer league preseason. You know, he ended preseason with that 26-point game against the Lakers. Then once the regular season got underway, as I know you know, Christian, but he kind of got off to a slow start as far as his efficiency from the field. And after the, the fifth game, um, you know, Jazz fans were kind of freaking out. There were a couple charts that started circulating around um, around Twitter, one that was kind of comparing his TPA, his total points added, which is an NBA math metric, another one about his box plus minus. And, and in both charts, um, Donovan Mitchell was way down in the bottom left, about as far down as you could be. And a lot of Jazz fans were, were freaking out. And I guess, you know, let's put his game against the Lakers that he just had uh, to one side for now. Did you go back in time and tell Jazz fans kind of your thoughts on, on their concerns about his slow start, if you want to put it that way? What would be your message to them about their overreacting to him? I did see that chart that the Jazz fans were overreacting about. Uh, one thing about Donovan Mitchell is that, yes, he's a rookie. That chart was rep- representing all the rookies that played this year, which surprisingly is a lot more than previous seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, there's This is a very deep draft, and there's a lot of rookies that are playing. However, Donovan's playing more minutes than a lot of these guys, uh, so that's one portion of it. Uh, he's playing over 20 minutes per game right now, um, and it's weird how he's been scoring in these first six games because it's either been he's scoring only two points a game or he's scoring in double figures. Uh, it's just kind of weird if you check all these box scores um, for you know the game logs uh, through six games. Um, but the good thing for Jazz fans that they can see through Donovan is that he's got the confidence. Uh, they've probably seen a little bit of swagger in his game, uh, but he's got the confidence with his shot on the offensive end. Uh, because he's not just out there hesitant to put up shots. And as a rookie in the NBA, that's one thing that you commonly see from these first-year guys, um, that they are you know they lack the confidence, they're kind of shy out there, they're jittery, uh, they make some dumb turnovers, things like that. Uh, but the good thing about Donovan is that he's looking to score. Um, he's been aggressive. He's just having some trouble getting that shot to fall right now. That's one thing that's really killing his player efficiency rating. Uh, because he just can't get that ball to go through the hoop. Um, last night against the Lakers, I believe he was 9 of 16 from the field. Um, and that's 56.3%. That's you know incredible. So hopefully we see more of that than what we've seen uh, previously in the, uh, the previous five games. Because before that, he was shooting 20% from the field, which is terrible. Uh, that led to... Uh, I believe it was a 4.8 PER rating. <laughs> I mean, it's embarrassing to even mention that as a 4.8 PER. It's terrible. It's not even, you know, on the chart. <laughs> yeah. But I think that he'll be fine. Uh, just needs to get that shot to fall. That game against the Lakers, especially going against Lonzo Ball, uh, I mean, that is a major confidence booster. Um, and you saw his aggressiveness last night, uh, especially with him and that huge highlight dunk that's been circulating on social media. Um, it's all about having the confidence, which he has, but now it's about just making the shots, get comfortable. And, you know, it's only six games into the season. He's got 76 more games as a rookie. Uh, so each week that goes by, he'll get even more fluent out there on offense. Uh, the good thing is that he's been pretty steady on defense, averaging a steal and almost one block per game. Uh, that's pretty solid if you ask me for a rookie, even though he is a first-round draft pick. Um uh, 
2.7 assists, 1.5 rebounds. Louisville fans, I know, have been complaining about Donovan go up there and rebound the ball more uh, because they're used to him having a lot more rebounds from his college days. But some of these college fans, they don't understand that they do have the stifle tower on the Jazz roster. Yeah. <laughs> and he's gobbling up all these rebounds out there. So um, I wouldn't say Donovan's going to be averaging too many rebounds, but um, – I can almost guarantee that his shot will start to fall sooner. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And I mean, I think that um, something interesting was after those first five games when he was kind of struggling, you know, you mentioned the low, the low shooting percentage from the field. He was also just three of 18 from deep. And all three of those threes came against the Clippers, um, which he almost single-handedly brought the Jazz back. But that, that's kind of a different story there. But the thing I was going to say is that Quinn Snyder, even after all those games, he said, you know, he wants Donovan to keep shooting. I mean, Donovan's one of the few guys on the team that can create his own shot, can get his own looks. And he is going to get better at knowing when he should try to finish around the around the rim and when he should kick it out. He's going to get better at knowing when it's good to take a three and when it's better to pass it off. I mean, little by little, he's going to go picking up on, picking up on stuff. And I was looking at some stats earlier, um, Christian, and... You know, it's kind of crazy to see that, you know, we're so early in the season. Mitchell had one good game against the Lakers here and already raised his shooting percentage up, um, you know, almost 7% or a little more than 7%. And his um, three-point percentage already went up 9% just after one game. So little by little, this is going to even itself out. He's getting good looks. As soon as they start falling, I think he's going to be just fine. I think Jazz fans definitely have overreacted from the first five games, and he's going to be just fine. And if you look at Donovan's shot, I mean, he's got a very smooth shot. It's not something awkward. Uh, you know, I've already mentioned Lonzo Ball. If you take a look at his jump shot, yeah. I mean, it's very unorthodox. It doesn't look too good. But Donovan, he's got a smooth jumper. It's always the exact same every time he shoots the ball. I mean, this shot will eventually get into the hoop. <laughs> yeah, He's just got to, you know, find open looks, uh, make the best judgment whenever it comes to actually launching that shot up there. Um He'll eventually get it. One thing I would like to see him do is possibly get to the free throw line a little bit more. Definitely. Um, I think he's shot just eight free throws so far. And, you know, for a rookie, you're kind of like, eh, well, that's not too bad. But he is getting over 20 minutes per game. So it'd be nice to see if he could just be a little bit more aggressive. I know he's a rookie. He might not always get that foul call for him. Uh, But that's one thing he was great at at Louisville is, uh, getting fouled, getting to the line, and making those free throws. Um, so even though he's not shooting too many free throws right now, at least he is knocking those down. Yeah, that's something I've actually noticed is that you know he's had some pretty incredible finishes where he's you know made these baskets in traffic that have just blown me away. But other times it's been like he's gone up kind of hesitantly, and I'm like, man, just go up strong, Donovan, and get fouled, and and you're going to get to the line. I th- that's another thing that I think he'll adjust to. Um, but you bring up a great point there. The one thing I wanted to touch on too with Mitchell is that, you know, my biggest thing about his early struggles, if you want to call him that, is that he's kind of had a whirlwind start to his NBA career just because, you know, all offseason and all preseason, he was planning to play alongside Dante Exum in that backcourt, you know, kind of as the two guard with Dante Exum handling most of the point guard responsibilities. And then second to last game or whatever it was in preseason, Dante Exum gets hurt. He's out. First game of the year, Hood is sick. And all of a sudden, Donovan Mitchell, his first game in the NBA, is, is in the starting lineup. And then two games later, Hood hurts his leg. And now we got Mitchell starting again. So he's kind of bounced back and forth. You know, we, instead of being able to play side-by-side with Exum or getting some of Exum's minutes, uh, he's really been a principal guy on the team that I don't know if he was expecting to have quite as big as a role as he already has right now. So that's been a big adjustment for him. And I think as he settles into what his role is going to be moving forward, that's going to help too. 
Yeah, that is a major adjustment for him because, like you said, he wasn't really expecting to be playing uh, a huge role in the rotation. Uh, he might even be you know, starting to be on the bench or at the very end of the bench uh, at the start of the season. But once those injuries happen, now he's just thrown out there into the fire. And, you know, actually I'm very impressed with how he's played this far, even though he hasn't uh, been able to find the bottom of the hoop very often. Uh, you know, he's still out there playing tough on defense, logging big minutes, uh, you know, making his free throws, some of these finer points out there. Uh, you know, you can't really harp on the guy too much because – few weeks ago he wasn't expecting to be playing this large of a role for a team that right now is in the top eight in the western conference of the nba Uh, it's pretty remarkable if you ask me yeah definitely and you touch on his defense and that's something that you know the jazz obviously that's a huge emphasis in the way they play his defense donovan's brought up several times that you know he wants defense to be his focus and I think that, you know, and a lot of times this will happen on social media and people that are casual fans, they just go and they look at that shooting percentage, they look at those points, and they discount everything else that goes on in a game. And I think that, you know, Quinn's made it very clear that he trusts Donovan. He's talked about how Donovan is a very fast learner and that things are just going to come together for him as long as he keeps playing confident as he has been. Right. Especially in the NBA, you know, you got to look at things month by month. Uh, with the way the schedule falls. Mm-hmm. This is only six games in. So imagine, you know, once we get to 12 games, then 20 games, um, I expect Armand to really start picking it up as we move along the season. Um, I'm really not worried about his shot or anything like that. I mean, uh, he's already shown enough through summer league play and more uh, to know what we're going to see from him in the NBA. Um, got great character. You know, Jazz fans shouldn't be worried at all. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad you feel that way because I agree, and I think that's something a lot of Jazz fans need to hear, especially from someone like you that's followed him um, you know, throughout his college career and everything. Uh, last thing I wanted to say with Mitchell is that you know, the Jazz, their next eight of their, or eight of their next nine games are at home, and I think that's going to be great for the team as a whole, but also for Mitchell, just to get comfortable, you know, play in front of the home crowd, really settle into his role. And I could really see, you know, as soon as by the end of November, you said month to month, obviously, it's a big thing to, tr- to track in the NBA. I think by the end of November, we're going to see a lot different stats from Mitchell and Jazz fans are going to be all back on the hype train, excited about what he has to bring moving forward. So maybe you'll have to quote me on that. We'll touch base end of November. <laughs> but I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does this next month. So with that being said, uh, now Christian and I will move on to our uh, second point for today. Point two. All right, so for point number two, uh, Christian and I wanted to take a look just at the Western Conference so far. Um, Obviously, we all knew the Western Conference was going to be very deep, um, very hard to predict. Um, But Christian, I got to tell you, I look right now at 11 of the 15 teams in the Western Conference and say there wasn't seeding, there wasn't any conferences, if you just asked me to give you a gut feeling about those, those 11 teams, I would say, yeah, you know, that's a playoff caliber team. They should be in the playoffs. But of those 11, you know, three of them are not going to make the final cut. So I just kind of wanted your early thoughts on what we've seen in the West so far and, and how you think things might shake out, especially there, you know, from maybe the, the 7 to the 11 seeding, how that's going to look. Yeah, there's definitely some surprises there. Um, one, I'm looking at the very top of the uh, Western Conference, that's the Clippers. Uh, at the time, I believe when we spoke last, when I was on podcast uh, a few months ago, um, I believe Blake Griffin was recently injured, and he was supposed to be out till like mid-December, and I guess they 
uh, scaled that back, uh, decided not to do surgery or something of the sort. And uh, so that's obviously going to give the Clippers more wins with Blake Griffin uh, playing excellent, actually having a game winner this past week. Yeah. Uh, so the Clippers are there 4-1. and one. Even after the Chris Paul trade, I was like, man, the Clippers aren't going to do a lot this year, um, especially since it's been Lob City. DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin, they get so many points off those lobs. Um, but really, they've been playing amazing. Um, actually, I think they're better than when they had Chris Paul. I think the team's a little bit deeper. Um, they actually have an offense to run instead of just uh, going out there and playing pickup ball. <laughs> yeah. you know, they actually have a recipe for the success that they want to see. Um, actually trying on defense, too. Not just out there pouting, yelling at the refs. Um, you know, it's kind of a uh, different culture with the Clippers, which I think is kind of uh, remarkable because uh, they just traded Chris Paul, such a huge name that they got a few years ago. Um, and now instead of just a culture shock of not having him there, they're actually just playing better, playing the right way. Um, and as a Grizzlies fan, I hate to say that because we don't like Clippers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the Jazz, after last year's playoff series, I know a lot of Jazz fans aren't too high on them either, but, you know, I got to tip my hat to the Clippers. They have looked awesome so far, and um, last week I actually had Ryan Aston, uh, my J-Notes colleague on the show, and, you know, he from the onset was actually pretty high on the Clippers, and I was not. I had pinned the Clippers out of the playoffs, um, as we discussed, um, but from what we've seen so far, I'm kind of backtracking on that. I know it's early as well, and they do have some injury-prone guys that could change things, um, but but they look really good. And one of the things that stands out to me is, you know, for years it was the Clippers had this pretty good starting lineup, you know, with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, but they never had much of a bench. Now they really do. They have some depth. Um, they, they look good both in the first and second units. I really like that you bring up the point that they're they're focusing more on defense instead of, you know, whining and trying to get the call. I'm convinced on the Clippers so far, and I think they, along with the Grizzlies, who originally I had both those two teams pinned outside of the playoffs, I think both of those guys are going to be in, which makes it scary for some other West teams that may be hoping that they're going to make it but are kind of on the edge. Yeah, and I'll uh, touch on Memphis again. I know we talked about them at the start of the podcast, but yeah. uh, with Memphis, even though they are at 5-1 and one, they're playing great, uh, they actually do not have Jermichael Green right now. That's mm-hmm. their starting power forward. Yep. Uh, he got hurt, uh, hurt at the uh, start of the season. Um, Darrell Martin, who actually was going to be cut in training camp, um, he wound up squeaking by and making the final cuts and staying on the roster. And he's the starting power forward right now for Memphis. He's been tremendous. He had, I believe it was nine points, nine rebounds, and five blocks in the game this past week. Wow. Uh, I mean, he's he went from almost getting cut to playing a huge role in helping the Grizzlies win games. Uh, that helps their depth especially since Zach Randolph and Tony Allen aren't there anymore uh, in Memphis. Um, and also, Ben McElmore, he hasn't played at all in preseason or the regular season because of rehabbing a foot injury that he sustained in the offseason uh, when he was training in Memphis. Uh, so that's another big addition. Probably, um, if not within the next month, maybe in the next two or three months, uh, that's probably going to be our starting shooting guard. Um uh, so just imagine getting him back with Jermichael. Uh, and then Wayne Selden Jr. also, who if you remember in summer league play, he was averaging almost 30 points per game. He looked great. Uh, and I know that's not regular season games, but still that's one of our key young guys uh, on the roster. 
and he hasn't played yet. So, <laughs> you know, we've got a few key names that even though we're playing great, um, the Grizzlies are going to just get uh, more nasty out there on the court. Yeah, no, I that's you're at a good point there. I, you know, I I knew Jamichael Green obviously was hurt, but I hadn't even thought about Macklemore or Selden. So those are great points to bring up, and it's scary to think about because if they get even deeper, you know, with the way they play and the way they've been bullying teams, especially the Rockets, obviously they beat twice already. Um, that's going to be a scary and a dangerous team, as I know you're well aware. When I look at the West right now, Christian, I mean, I still feel pretty confident the Warriors, the Spurs, and the Rockets, they have a very good shot of being the top three. Um, you know, maybe a team like the Grizzlies stays where they're at and is up there near the top. But I, I do definitely have the Grizzlies and the Clippers in the playoffs as well. That only leaves, you have those five making it, that only leaves three more spots for the likes of Portland, Minnesota, Denver, Oklahoma City, New Orleans, and, of course, my Jazz. Um, that That's a lot of good teams I just listed there, and only three of them are going to make it. Those are some stacked rosters, too. Yep. So, I don't know. I guess just what are your thoughts on those remaining teams I mentioned? I mean, who do you think we can expect to step up? I know it's early still, but who are you thinking right now is looking impressive to you? I really believe the Jazz will stay in the playoff picture. Uh, I'll just go ahead and get that off my chest now. Awesome. Some I love it. <laughs> you know, stepping on pieces of, pieces of glass. Right? <laughs> but uh, I do think the Jazz will make it. Uh, even though they lost Hayward, I mean, this – provides more shots, more opportunities for other young guys that they've got, um, like Alec Burks, uh, Rodney Hood, Donovan Mitchell. Uh, some of these guys, you know, they've got the offensive firepower uh, that they can make up for things that Gordon Hayward was doing for Utah. Uh, plus, they still have Rudy Gobert. I mean, he's one of the top centers in the league, uh, probably the best defensive center in the league, uh, and his offensive game is starting to step up as I've noticed. Um Derek Favors, I mean, they've got lots of great players. Um, I don't see Utah just uh, falling off just because of losing Gordon Hayward in free agency. Uh, so I have them in there. Oklahoma City, even though they're sitting uh, in ninth right now, they're tied at 3-3 three and three with uh, Utah, Minnesota, and New Orleans. Uh, I do see them making it because I cannot picture Russell Westbrook, Mr. Triple-Double Machine, missing out on the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. And, especially when he's now paired with Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. Uh, if you look at the job they did last year, even though some of these Western Conference teams have gotten better over the offseason, and, and the conference has really taken another step up after it was already tremendous, <laughs> um, I don't see Oklahoma City missing the playoffs. They have too much star power now, and Russell Westbrook willed them to a playoff spot last year uh, just single-handedly, you know, um, so he's got help now. I don't see them missing it. However, the New Orleans Pelicans, I do not see them in the playoff picture. <laughs> I agree. Yep. Uh, I'm not a UK fan, but it's not because of that. Um, <laughs> I just don't think that Anthony Davis can stay healthy enough. I know he's already been in and out <laughs> of the lineup already just yeah. a couple weeks into the season. But I don't think he can be uh, healthy and sustain that throughout the season. Uh, long enough to you know make the playoffs. Also with Cousins, he's a ticking time bomb. I know he's not Sacramento, but still he gets mad. <laughs> yeah. He would rather risk you know getting tossed out of a game and uh, and losing that game than just keeping his cool and trying to secure the W. Uh, that's one thing I've always been picking on with Boogie is that he's lacking that leadership. A true leader would actually just 
put up with any bad calls or no calls and secure that win, especially because when they played Sacramento this past week, he had, I think it was 41 points, 19 rebounds. He can do that every single night, but a lot of it is he's just not that type of a leader. Yeah. Uh, He just would like to pick fights with fans, with refs, etc., and if he doesn't get the win, he's okay with it as long as he shows that he's big and bad. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah. They don't really have the bench that they need to also make the playoffs in the West. Agreed. Uh, It's been one thing in the past few years for the Pelicans that has really troubled them, Uh, along with injuries. They've always been plagued with injuries. It's like Tyreek Evans, who's now with the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, He was one guy that was repeatedly hurt, along with Drew Holiday, Quincy Pondexter, who's now with the Bulls. Um, They've always been battling the injury bug, and I'm not sure if that will really change much for the Pelicans this year especially when you look at AD constantly taking spills. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was actually joking with a friend of mine that, you know, when they listed Anthony Davis' day-to-day because of his latest knee injury, I was like, isn't Anthony Davis pretty much always day-to-day? Seems like that's been the story of his career, <laughs> quite frankly. Right. And then I he think, doesn't have too much muscle on his body, and I think that's part of it. You know, he's out there, he's loving to bang in the paint and stuff. And, uh, I think that's part of it, just because he is a rough player, but he's just not physically built to take all of those yeah. Uh, hits. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I think you hit the nail on the head with Boogie. I mean, the guy was an animal against Sacramento. Everyone's calling it kind of his revenge game. Um, and if he could bring that kind of focus and that kind of energy every night, he's an, uh, he's a phenomenal player. But I just feel like he lets so many things distract him. I'm not convinced, even though the two of them had some good games together, I still don't know that he and Anthony Davis are the best fit together on the same team. I think Pelicans are out. And, and real quick, backtracking OKC, you know, if Russell Westbrook was able to, you know, single-handedly push those guys to a playoff spot, there's no way that he's going to miss with the stars he has alongside him, like you said. Um, so kind of the two takes on there. I've been a little disappointed. I'm not saying whether they'll be in or out just yet, but I've been a little disappointed in both Minnesota and Denver. I think both have played under their expectations. Uh, with the exception for Minnesota, they've beat up on the Thunder. Uh, but other than that, they've played under their expectations in my mind. Yeah, I really like Minnesota. Uh, they've got some guys that I've followed, you know, my whole life. Yeah. Uh, practically. Um, I like that they have Jamal Crawford. He's one of the uh, most classiest guys in the league, and I'm glad they've got him now. And uh, whenever you add Jimmy Butler to that roster, it's pretty, you know, intriguing, especially they've got. Uh, Wiggins, Towns, you know, they've got some great players. Then you add that all-star Jimmy Butler. Um, got Crawford off the bench, who's always hot from deep. Um, I think he also leads NBA history with 50 four-point plays, which is crazy. He's always looking to add more to his total. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's really an exciting roster, and it's you know kind of disheartening to see that they're only 3-3. Three and three. So I've been pulling for the Timberwolves to just squeak into the playoffs uh, past couple of years because you know they're right there. They get some good draft picks, some good talent, uh, and they just fall short. Um, me covering former Louisville Cardinals in the NBA, I'm a big Gorgie Jank fan. Yeah. And Gorgie drafted in 2013 after he won a national championship. He's a winning player that he's not out there to just score 20 points. He's always making hustle plays, getting blocks, steals, uh, setting hard screens for his teammates. He's doing all those 
winning plays, winning things out there on the floor to secure wins, and yet he just cannot make the playoffs. Man, in the league since 2013, and the Wolves haven't made the playoffs since then. Yeah. And he's still looking for his first postseason. So it would be nice to see Gorgie at least get a chance in the postseason this year. Uh, I know they probably won't be winning the championship, uh, but Gorgie, I tell you, he was uh, so fun to watch at Louisville and to win that championship. And now it's like, man, Gorgie just can't seem to win a game. <laughs> yeah. The, the thing about the Timberwolves that I just have a few concerns about them. I know people were very, very high on them. And again, we keep saying it, but it, it's early. They could definitely right the ship and be this team. A lot of people had them pinned as maybe the, the fifth best team in the West, things like that. Um, as much hype and as much love as Carl Anthony Towns gets, and, and as good as even I will admit that he is, I feel like he gets really complacent on defense sometimes. And he's a guy that I always notice is one that's that's complaining and jawing with the ref a little bit. And not to say he's being a bad sportsman, but sometimes I just feel like um, he needs to focus more on just getting back on defense and worry less about complaining to the ref about something he feels was missed. Um, that along with, you know, Minnesota's bench absolutely sunk him last year. Uh, Thibodeau was forced to play really heavy minutes with his starters. I feel like their bench is improved this year, but I still see a little bit of that concern that their bench and their depth isn't quite what they might need it to be to be as good as people think they'll be. And again, Thibodeau has played his starters heavy minutes so far, so I'm a little concerned about those aspects with the Wolves. That may prevent them from being quite as good as people think. Yeah, I was thinking at the start of the season maybe they'd squeak into the eighth spot, uh, but that was also, whenever I made those predictions, that was before uh, Carmelo Anthony joined the Thunder. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, I just, you know, it's pretty hard to say if Minnesota are going to make the playoffs or not. I want them to make it just to have a new face in the postseason. Yeah. But I'm thinking they're going to wind up being on the outside because right now the way that these top eight uh, positions stand, uh, if you're counting Memphis, LA Clippers, Eastern Rockets, Portland Trailblazers, San Antonio Spurs, Golden State Warriors, uh, you have Minnesota 7, then Utah Jazz 8. You know, I just don't think the Timberwolves make it because I know OKC is going to be making a push. Um, If they would happen to bump out Minnesota, you know, I don't see New Orleans making it. I don't see Denver making it. Of course, not the Lakers, Suns, Kings, or the Mavericks. Yeah. Um, I just see Minnesota falling just a couple wins short. Uh, it's so tough to say because I've been pulling for the Timberwolves, but <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's just so tough. It's just so crowded. That's why I wouldn't mind seeing uh, kind of like a restructuring of how the NBA does the playoffs because Minnesota, who knows how many wins they might make this year. They might have enough wins to be around, I don't know, fourth or fifth seed in the East. Yeah. And it's kind of unfair to them because they won so many games. And then the uh, the East is just so bad. It's like, man, we need to figure this out, restructure it. There's some awful teams that really they don't even care to be in the playoffs down in the East, and yet they're in. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think we won't know the how it's really going to look until obviously 80, game 82 is played by every team. We know the final records. But from what we're looking at right now, you know, some of these teams, you could honestly argue that the 10th seed in the West is going to be just as good or better than, say, the 5th seed in the East. And, you know, you and I touched on it last time you were on the show, but um, I just really feel like, I don't know, it's just so interesting to me that um, we have kind of that discrepancy there. And I'm not, I'm not really sold on Minnesota either, but I do have to admit, I'm just a little worried as far as going back to the Jazz a little bit. 
because there's going to be, you know, that 7 to 11 seed in the West. Those teams are all going to be pretty even with each other, I feel like. And some of them are just not going to make the playoffs at the end of the day because of the playoff structure. Um, the one thing that I do feel good about the Jazz, you touched on it, is their depth. Um, a lot of guys that can carry an offensive um, an offensive weight, even with uh, Gordon Hayward gone now. And one thing I keep going back to is, you know, the Jazz started out last season 7-8, and eight, uh, which included a, a really bad four-game losing streak. And I remember when that happened last year, people were kind of having a similar feeling of, oh, man, Jazz are just going to have another year where they're outside the playoffs. And then after that, it was kind of like the whole team figured each other out. They had to adjust to George Hill. They had to adjust to things, and it was like a switch flipped, and they were great the rest of the year. I have a feeling it's going to be kind of like that um, this year. I could see the Jazz starting right around 7-8, and eight, right around 500, whatever it is. Then I think they're going to flip a switch. Rubio's going to get used to everybody, and I think they'll be good. Uh, I think Quinn Snyder's good enough to get them there. So I, I, I hope you're right, Christian. I hope I'm right, but I do think Utah will squeak in as well. It's just kind of crazy because they're going to have to beat out some dang good teams to make it. Yeah, he got that right. I think after a few more weeks, we'll start to see, you know, the top eight separate themselves from the bottom of the pack. Yeah. Um, I think most of the teams that are in the top eight right now, um, and I know that there is a four-way, three-and-three record tie right now. Yeah. uh, The way that it is, you know, on NBA.com, I think those top eight will start to pull away. Um, Probably Oklahoma City taking Minnesota's spot. and I think that's probably how it's going to be, um, just a reshuffling of those teams. Clippers might slide down a little bit. Houston might go up a little bit. Memphis, I'll be honest, I'm not sure how high they'll go. Uh, I'm even a little bit surprised that they're 5-1 right now. Uh, yeah. So I've got them in the playoffs. I just don't know where they'll fall 1-8. to eight. Memphis could easily fall to 8. Uh, you know, I'll be honest, don't be so biased. Towards the Grizzlies, uh, a lot of it's with health also with all the guys in the roster. Uh, San Antonio, that's another tough one for me uh, because they've got some new faces on the team, such as Rudy Gay. Uh, I'm not really sure if they can be that number two seed in the West like they have been in the past. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, I know he's missing some games right now, but I think that he'll make the Spurs move up from the fifth seed that they're in right now. Uh, But it's kind of difficult to say just how great that Spurs team will be compared to past years because I know Popovich and Aldridge have been into it um, I think they're smoothing th- smoothing things over now um, but also Rudy Gay on the team uh, it's just kind of a new way of life for the Spurs you know you don't have your typical Parker Ginobili Duncan out there anymore it's kind of huff- uh, kind of tough to estimate how well they'll play um, Golden State, I'm assuming that they'll be the top team in the West. Um, they're just having some difficulties. If they just stop getting into it with other opponents and stop getting into it with refs, you yeah. know, not throwing those mouthpieces, that was, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> giving gestures to the crowd. <laughs> yeah. If they just play basketball, they'd be winning these games. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, you know, the Spurs, it's – Really, the jury's out on them because I'm actually surprised that they started out as good as they did. Obviously, they've now dropped two in a row to the the Magic, who have looked surprisingly impressive, and the Pacers, who I'm also happy with. Um, Spurs lost those two, but they had looked good before then. Um, but really, the jury's out on them for me because we got to see what they do with Kawhi back. Obviously, they're a much different team with him. Um, I think Golden State's still kind of riding the hangover from the championship. Um, you know, I would love if I would actually love if Curry threw some more mouthpieces and actually got 
uh, some suspensions for that. I would be totally fine with that. But um, you know, I'm really surprised that the NBA did not suspend Stephen Curry. Me too. Or even Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the first time I saw Kevin Durant on his exit, I thought he was flipping the refs off. Oh, and yeah. Actually, he was gesturing to the fans. I guess they were saying some stuff to him as he was walking out. He said, but I've got a ring. Yeah. But he actually flipped off the fans and pointed at his middle finger instead of his ring finger. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm really surprised that KD didn't get suspended after. I mean, it was clear as day on camera. Yeah. Uh, and also Steph Curry throwing a mouthpiece. I mean, if that'd be like Udonis Haslam throwing a mouthpiece, yeah. there'd be a, at least a one-game suspension. But I guess it's just the favoritism that the league has to the superstars. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been salty for a few years now after they suspended Zach Randolph for Game 7 against the OKC Thunder a few years ago. Yeah. Um, and for something very little that may be a fine, probably not, especially given the playoff implications. And uh, Russell's history, you know, they suspended him. Uh, Grizzlies got blown out in the Game 7 from OKC and, Hasn't been the same since. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing, too, is that this isn't the first time he's thrown a mouthpiece before. If you recall, um, in the final series that the Cavs came back to win, Curry threw his mouthpiece and actually hit a fan. And it's just kind of like, I mean, a lot of these suspensions are because of a reputation. I mean, look at a guy like Cousins. You know, he's going to get suspended handed to him a lot easier than other guys because of reputation he's set. I'm not saying Curry necessarily has this terrible reputation, but apparently now, you know, it's a second time offense. He has a reputation of throwing a mouthpiece. I think that second time should have been more than a slap on the hand. He should have been suspended. And then I just... It's just so weird to me how that team has flipped from one that I really respected back in 2015 to one that I just can't stand now, and it's from the top down. I mean, you had Steve Kerr that had his kind of snooty response of being all sarcastic about, how, oh, yeah, Curry should be suspended for eight or nine games for that, just kind of being um, kind of cocky and, and sarcastic about it. And I was like, you know what? He really should have been suspended for at least one game, so I don't know why you're right. being so snooty about it. I don't know. It's just a weird situation for sure. Right. It's like the NBA just loves the Warriors and all this money they're generating because of their popularity. Whereas if it was a small market team and the star players do this, they'd be getting a suspension. You know, NBA would be addressing it immediately. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the NBA actually took their time giving those suspensions. <laughs> yeah. I think it took like a day or two for them to actually come out and do anything about it. Uh, or not the suspensions, but the fines for yep. Barry and Katie. Uh, and it's like, are you okay with the Warriors doing this? Do you like? Do you really want the Warriors to act like a uh, some dark team <laughs> out there? I'm not sure if they just want them to appear villainous or what it is, but I guess the NBA is okay with Curry throwing mouthpieces, Draymond putting people in head, uh, headlocks. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. one thing after another, almost on a nightly basis with them. Yeah, I agree. So, last thing on this uh, point, I want to touch on is we only mentioned them briefly, but that's the Portland Trailblazers. Um, I feel like, Christian, a lot of people had them outside the playoffs this year just because they barely got the eight seed last year. They didn't make a ton of changes in the offseason. I was actually on the other side of the fence, though. Seeing how they finished last year with Nurkic and being able to have him for 82 games, I've always been super high on Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. And, you know, the Blazers are a Blake Griffin 3 and a Giannis Antetokounmpo just maniac game away from being 6-0. and I think the Blazers are going to be dang good this year, and I really think they will be in the thick of the playoff race in, in the Western Conference. I have them making it as well. Yeah, those Portland Trailblazers, they actually have a pretty decent bench right now. Uh, 
with you there 100%. So, well, I think that's a pretty good look at the craziness that is the Western Conference right now. Um, I'm excited to see the next month or so as these teams kind of start to settle in and show where they're going to be at. Um, that'll do it for point number two. Let's move on now, Christian, to point number three. We'll take a look ahead at what the Jazz will be up against in week three of the 2017-18 season. Point three. Okay, so as we've done the last two times on the three-point threat, um, want to take a look ahead at the Jazz's schedule for this week. We're entering the third week of NBA action in the 2017-18 season. Um, happy to have Christian joining me to talk about his thoughts on who the Jazz are up against these next four games. Um, let's start out with Monday's contest, Christian, against the Dallas Mavericks. What are your thoughts on this game? What's going to be tricky for the Jazz, and what do you think the outcome is going to be? I'm not big on the Mavs right now because they're the team that handed the Grizzlies their first loss. <laughs> yeah, oddly <laughs> enough, right? Which is also their only win of the season, Yeah, uh, speaking for the Mavs there. Um, but the Mavs, they actually surprised me a little bit. Just like last year, I didn't expect a whole lot from them. Uh, the Grizzlies this past week, they actually played a back-to-back. Um, first, in a way, game for the Grizzlies. Then they went to the FedEx Forum in Memphis and played the Mavs. Uh, Grizzlies dropped the first one. They came back, got that revenge W the next day. Uh, I will say that Dennis Smith Jr. has been pretty impressive. Uh, he had a slight chase-down block on Mike Conley uh, that I was pretty impressed with. Yeah, uh, He's got some pretty good footwork standing in front of Conley because Conley is one of the fastest guys in the NBA. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki, I mean, he's one of the biggest names the NBA has seen. And he's still out there putting up his, you know, 10 to 15 points a game at least, uh, which I'm surprised, you know, he's getting so far up there in age. and uh, Kind of like Vince Carter. These guys, they just keep coming back every season. They're always there, and then you just think, man, are they ever going to give it up? <laughs> yeah, kind of the ageless wonders of the NBA. Right. And uh, but Dirk, he was doing pretty decent against the Grizzlies, uh, especially with Marcus Gasol. Both of those guys are pretty good friends. Uh, so it's always a good matchup between both of those guys. Uh, the Mavs, they're a little bit more athletic than in seasons past. 
but they are just very young. Uh, so that explains their one and six record right now. Uh, I would give this matchup to the Jazz just because the Jazz are so deep. Uh, they've got the outside scoring they need. They've got the defense. Uh, one guy to watch out for would be Harrison Barnes. Uh, he likes to light the Grizzlies up here and there. Uh, but I do give this game to the Jazz. I'd say probably by double figures. Yeah, I'm with you, especially because it's in Salt Lake. You know, Jazz are still undefeated at home. They've played very well there. They've looked like a different team, to be honest, a different energy, um, which is to be expected. You hope to be able to take that energy on the road, but Jazz have looked great in Salt Lake. And the Mavs, just, they, don't have a, they don't have a bench. They don't really have much depth. Um, even their starting lineup, I mean, is, is pretty inexperienced, aside from Dirk. Um, I just don't see any way the Mavs win this one. Although, with that being said, I said the same thing about the, the Jazz Suns game, and that came back to bite me. So, <laughs> hopefully, the Jazz they, they just come out with energy. As long as they have, as long as they have energy in their focus, I feel good about them winning this one on Monday. Uh, the one on Wednesday, though, I will say I'm a little bit nervous about. I've been talking up the the Blazers this show, and that's who the Jazz host on Wednesday. Um, I know we've already kind of talked about the Blazers as a whole, so what do you make of this matchup, Christian? Well, when I was looking at the Jazz schedule for this week, that was the one game that I wrote down as toss-up. Yeah. Uh, I'll go ahead and say the Blazers for a worst-case scenario, uh, just because that backcourt is so dangerous with Willard McCollum. Yeah. Uh, they're really rolling right now. They've got a 4-2 record. Uh, like you said, it could almost be a 6-0 and record uh, with a few small changes so they're pretty hot uh i'll go ahead and give this one to the blazers yeah i was right there with you i mean last time um the blazers and jazz played damian lillard put up 59 points uh he tends to have our number i hope that ricky rubio and donovan mitchell combined can kind of make him suffer the one thing that frustrates me about the jazz um defensively they're this great defensive team uh for the most part but I feel like Rodney Hood is not quite up to snuff defensively. So when a team like the Blazers just has two guards that are just lights out, I wish we had a second guard in our starting lineup that was also a lockdown defender, which I feel like Rodney Hood just isn't yet. So I, I feel like between the combination of Lillard and McCollum, they're probably going to overwhelm us and make us lose our first home game. That's, that's my thoughts on that one, as much as it pains me to say it. I think the Blazers will take it to us on Wednesday. I think it'll be a good learning opportunity for Donovan Mitchell, too. Like yeah. I said, need a second guard that's good defensively. Uh, perhaps he can, you know, convince Jazz fans even more that he's worthy of their praise. Uh, if he does step down, either Lillard or McCollum, uh, I'm not sure if he will or not being a rookie his first time going against these guys in the regular season. Uh, but I think it'll, it'll be a really big opportunity for him. Yeah, no, I agree. That's a great point. And one thing that's kind of interesting is that I've actually, during Summer League is when I saw it the most. I don't know if I've really seen it as much since then. Uh, but I saw a lot on Twitter that people were comparing Donovan Mitchell's Summer League performance to that of Damian Lillard. Or, or there were some that were saying that uh, Mitchell's Summer League was the most impressive they had seen since Damian Lillard, things like that. And so the fact that there's been a little bit of a player comparison between the two, it'll be fun to see how you know Damian does against him, how he matches up, and if we see some flashes of Lillard um, in Mitchell while the two are on the court together. So that's going to be interesting to watch as well. Then on Friday, the Jazz will go on to um, host the Raptors. And the Raptors are such an interesting team to me because I feel like they're always, they're always a team that is right there. They're a good Eastern Conference team. But they're never really a team that's, you know, putting the fear of God into anybody. They're, they're never that dominant where you're too worried about them. Um, 
I don't know. What are your thoughts on the Raptors, and what do you make of this matchup, Christian? The Raptors, their time where they are great is the regular season. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> you know, when it comes to the playoffs, they just lay down most of the times to, uh, to any of their opponents. Uh, so I do think that the Jazz will win this game. I'm not fully convinced of the Raptors even this season with an even weaker Eastern Conference. Uh, but it seems like DeRozan and Larry, either both of them are on and they're just red hot out there, or they're just not even on the court practically. Uh, it's like they just pick and choose when they want to show up. I do know that Jonas Balanciunas, uh, he's been having a good season so far, uh, so that will be some good competition for Rudy Gobert. Um, I do think Gobert will overpower Jonas, uh, but I think it's a pretty good matchup at all positions. Uh, Raptors do have a little bit of a bench. They got some young guys getting in there. Uh, CJ Miles, the newcomer, which they got from Indiana, uh, the Pacers. Uh, CJ Miles has been really lighting it up for So far, the Raptors love him. That's a guy that the Jazz will have to watch out for. I think they've got CJ coming off the bench right now, uh, providing the spark. So that's one guy that will have to shut down if Utah wants to secure a win. And I do think the Jazz will secure, secure a win on Friday versus the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, and my thoughts on this one were, um, like you say, the Raptors are kind of weird because they're a very inconsistent team. I mean, the other night, it, it looked like they had the Warriors in the bag, and then the Warriors, you know, as they as they tend to do, they had a late push to come back and beat the Raptors. Um, but they just seem like they pick and choose when they're going to play hard, when they're going to be on. Um, one thing, C.J. Miles, oddly enough, does seem to always struggle in Utah. Um, obviously the fans there have some mixed emotions about him, which quite frankly, I don't understand. I was always a huge CJ miles fan, even if he didn't end up being the star that some jazz fans thought he would be. I've always liked the guy a lot, um, both with, with the jazz and the Pacers. Um, but he has struggled in salt Lake in recent tries. So it's going to be interesting to see how he does this time. The other thing about the Raptors this time around is that I didn't realize this until just, um, today, but it is actually their game against the jazz on Friday will be their sixth game. Uh, of a six-game road trip out west. They've been on the road forever at this point. And I feel like you know going against the Jazz in the last game of a road trip is not a recipe for success, the way they play defense and the way they kind of turn the game into a slog fest. I'm with you, Christian. I think the Jazz are going to stick it to them and, and get a win on Friday. Yeah, I think they're going to be ready to just get home after that. <laughs> yeah. They'll probably be pretty well beat, just lay down for the Jazz. And all the tough teams they've played, I mean, from the, the Spurs to the Warriors to the Nuggets, a bunch of just the Blazers as well, all these tough teams they've played and then got to end on the Jazz. Not not a fun trip whatsoever. Then the last game of the week will be on Sunday um, at Houston. And I really, I really waffled back and forth on this one because, you know, last year the Jazz actually played extremely well against the Rockets, both – um, at home and on the road. Um, and I mean, you look at Houston and as we talked about already, you know, they've lost to the Grizzlies twice. And I feel like you take the, the Jazz's success against Houston last year and you say, well, you know, the Jazz play kind of a hard nosed, grinded out defensive type game like the Grizzlies do. And they've had such, such success. There's a lot of signs there that make me believe, you know, the Jazz could win this game. But on the same side, I know Houston's a very good team. The Jazz have yet to win a road game. Um, so I'm a little nervous about this one. I think there's a chance the Jazz win, but I'm leaning a little bit more towards Houston. Yeah, for Houston, um, I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but I do have some key injuries that are going through. Chris Paul, of course, is out. Yeah. Um, Eric Gordon missed the last game against the Grizzlies that they played. Um, 
in their first meeting, he was actually their leading scorer with 27 points. I think he had five threes in that game. Wow. Uh, and then he missed uh, their last meeting. Um, and also Trevor Ariza, he's been missing a little bit of time. I think he's got a minor injury. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if he'll be good to go for that Sunday meeting with the Jazz or not. Uh, but those are three big names that the Houston Rockets have been without here recently. So if those guys don't play, I mean, that's almost a guaranteed win for the Jazz. James Harden can't carry that full load against uh, the Utah Jazz squad that they've got. So I'd say give this one to the Jazz for now, uh, but that does depend on who all plays. Okay. Yeah, see, you're right. I, I guess I'm a little behind. I wasn't aware about Eric Gordon or Ariza. I knew that Chris Paul obviously was out. And, I mean, Eric Gordon has looked great this year, so if they're missing him, that's going to be a huge loss. He's really made up, you know, for the loss of Chris Paul at this point. I've been very impressed with Eric Gordon. Yeah, of course, that's a IU boy. Yep. <laughs> I'm uh, born and raised from Indiana, so that's one guy that's uh, pretty popular around here. Yeah. Uh, and so it's pretty good to see him, you know, healthy and able to play. Uh, I think he won the three-point contest if I'm not mistaken, this past year at All-Star Weekend. Uh, it's nice to see him get some recognition now yeah. after having so many seasons of uh, major injury after major injury and not being able to play um, even half of the season year after year. And so as, it's good to see him going. It's just uh, not so great to him in the same conference as the Grizzlies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. And, you know, as the reigning sixth man of the year, it's been, it's been a good fit for him, a good run in Houston. So hopefully he can keep that up. I guess I'm gonna. I'll be the pessimist on this one. I, I was optimistic last week and picked the Jazz to go three and zero, and it didn't work out so well for me. Uh, so I'll, I'll pick them to lose in Houston. So I'll pin them at two and two on the week. Christian, you have them at three and one. Uh, we'll we'll have to see how the week plays out and, and rib each other a little bit on on how it turns out on that last game. For sure. But perfect. Well, that's our look ahead at the Utah Jazz's schedule. Um, I think that's going to wrap up the show for today. Christian, thanks a ton for jumping on with me, man. I always appreciate you joining the Three Point Threat. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, my pleasure. We'll have to have you on for sure to uh, preview when the Jazz play the Grizzlies, although we got a little bit of a wait. I was kind of surprised to see that. Right. I know. Uh, I think they've got three matchups just thrown in there the last couple months of the season. So. Yep. Um, by the end of the year, maybe we'll even have a playoff uh, series, something of that sort, and really get familiar with each other. There we go. That'd be a lot of fun. You know, a good thing we're doing us on the phone, or else we might start throwing punches, right? But, right. <laughs> <just kidding. laughs> but anyway, thanks again, Christian, and to all the listeners out there, um, make sure you're staying up with the show um, on Twitter. It's at 3P Threat Podcast. Uh, make sure you give Christian a follow as well on Twitter. Um, his handle is just at Christian Dudley. And then also for all of the jazz news, make sure you keep up with at the J notes um, until next week, everybody so long. And uh, for Christian, I'll say go Grizzlies, but most of all go jazz. <laughs> <laughs>